Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries in Northwest Arkansas. It's great to be with you today. We're going to have an amazing broadcast. I can't wait for the Holy Spirit to absolutely unveil end time Bible prophecy like we've never heard it or understood it before. I pray that the Holy Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of truth, will take our hearts and minds. And draw us into the revelation, the light, the understanding, the wisdom, the knowledge, the comprehension of the days that we are living in. We are living in, in all sincerity, the most phenomenal times in the history of the world. I believe that God really has given us front row seats to end time Bible prophecy and that we of all people that have ever existed on this planet from Adam and Mrs. Adam to this very moment that we are here and we need to understand why we're here and what it is that we're doing here. And so I am going to really dive in by the grace of God. I am not a, uh, a, a, uh, what do they call it? A seminary student. Uh, I have no degree Um, from college in preaching the gospel. I went to another school. I had one of the great masters of all time train me and teach me. I went to the school of Christ where Jesus teaches. I'm sure you're one of them. We're probably part of the same university, Christ University, right? Jesus University. So you and I, 
Most of us, we're not scholars, but we do know how to read. Can someone say amen? We do know how to read. And not only that, we have been given wisdom way beyond our own ability to be able to perceive, to recognize, to understand events when they show up that Jesus warned us that we need to be paying attention to. And so I'm I'm just getting ready. I'm getting warmed up. I want to get more, more of our friends on here. I want to say good morning to everybody. By the way, are we coming through loud and clear on blog talk radio? That's really important for me to understand right now because I, I did something a little different, and I'm hoping that we're doing okay on blog talk radio. So let me just take this little look right here. This may be a great test. Area code 295-479-295. Uh, Good morning. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Well, that's wonderful. You're coming up. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, and now the question is, hi, the Pastor Peggy. Uh, now the question is, yes, is, can anybody else hear Peggy? And to do that, hold on one second. I'm going to go to this. Uh, oops, we got we lost somebody. So we're coming through loud and clear. And I'm just wondering on the chat room in Facebook and YouTube, can you all hear uh, Sister Peggy? Can you? Uh, Pastor Peggy right now. Anybody out there? Peggy, say hello to everybody. <laughs> say it again. Oh, I just want to say good morning. Beautiful morning. It's cold out there, but it's warm inside, and uh, it is pretty to look at. <laughs> All right. So we're getting a lot of yeses. We can hear you. All right. So we got things worked out here, and I know it's cold out there. You know, um, Sister Peggy, while you're on the air with me right now, I was listening to a news report, and thank you for everybody on Facebook letting us know. I was listening to a news report, and uh, they were talking about the number of people that are dying in Texas, that there are people that are dying because they, the power company turned the power off, and people were trying to get into their cars in their garages for heat, and they were being asphyxiated, and they were dying. And they were asking one of the heads of the power company, do you know that people are dying? And their answer was yes, and they're going to continue to die unless they really wrap themselves up and keep themselves warm. But there's nothing we could do to turn their power on. And so I don't know what the numbers across uh, the state of Texas are going to be, but everybody that's in this cold weather really does need to keep themselves uh, warm. And thank God if you have heat in your home, thank God that he's taking care of each and every one of you. Praise the Lord, because you could be in a situation where your electric company could have said, you know what? We're being overwhelmed, and the grid is down, and we're just we, there's nothing we could do. And what a test run, Pastor Peggy! What a trial run right now for people that have heard about electromagnetic pulse or a grid down scenario, and people are actually experiencing that in our country with this latest storm. Another test run. What do you think? Okay, I think I lost Pastor Peggy. All right, so we'll move on then. So what we'll do is get ready to move on. So if everybody joining in, I want to say again today, we are about to go deep into end-time Bible prophecy, and there are three major fronts that I want to cover. And I want to thank God that even though we are not uh, seminary students or graduates or have gone to colleges or universities to get a degree to preach the gospel, 
that we have gone to school, and it was the University of Jesus Christ, and he is our teacher, the Holy Spirit. And while we don't have all that brilliance, uh, we do know how to read, and I believe that the Holy Spirit and knowing how to read is an awesome combination, and you know how to listen, and you know how to hear, and I really believe today we need to listen, we need to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, what the Word of God is saying about the times that we're living in. And I want to begin where we left off yesterday in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. And I just want to say good morning to all of our friends right now on the chat line here. I see Brother Kevin's out there, and Marissa Atterbury's with us today. Good morning, Marissa. Praise the Lord. Melissa Fletcher is with us. David Ellison, Cindy Messman, Sarah Anchorman, uh, Daphne, <clears throat> Dalphin Reigns. Uh, good morning to Dalphin. Kim Boiling from Colorado. Carla, good. Laquita, good morning. Hallelujah. So I see uh, we have a good company of saints that want to spend some time getting into the word today. So let's get into it and get ready. I, I just want you to tighten your seatbelt. Uh, my fire got lit just before coming on the broadcast today. I was talking with Patricia, and we were sharing back and forth some things, and uh, my fire truly got lit. And I want to I get into this, and I just want to make sure that the people that are going to be joining us are going to hear the things that we're going to be sharing. But what we'll do is we're going to begin once again in Matthew chapter 24. So let's go over to Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to widen my screen. I think that'll be okay. And where we left off yesterday was in verse 29. And I want to just go back for education purposes, for our thinking. How many of you remember yesterday that the first 28 verses of Matthew chapter 24, again, this is where just reading and, and having Holy Spirit, you know, counsel, how many of you recall that we read Matthew 24, 1 through 28, and then we rushed through 29 to, to the, the other parts? We're going to pick it up again. But how many of you recall reading it and finding one time? How many of you found in the reading Matthew 24, verses 1 to 28, one time where Jesus mentioned, hinted at a pre-tribulational rapture? Okay, just did anybody get that in his teaching? When he's answering the question for all eternity, when will these things be? What is the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And as he was dialoguing, narrating, foretelling, prophesying to the future, how many of you found that Jesus hinted, just hinted, a whisper, anything about a pre-tribulational rapture? The answer is zero. And you will know that if you read Mark chapter 13, Zero. Luke 21, zero. There is no whisper, no hint, no idea of a pre-tribulational rapture. And as you're going to see in just a moment, you're not going to find it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. But let's get, let the word speak for itself. But what we do find concerning his coming, because remember, that was one of the three questions. When shall these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? and the end of the world. And then right around verse 25 or so, I think the Lord tells us that now concerning his coming, it would be like lightning. Um, yeah, he, in 25, behold, I told you these things before. And then he talks about being 
people saying he's there and there, but as lightning comes out of the east and shines in the west, even so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. All right, so he tells us when that coming is and what it will be like, and now he answers the question in Matthew 24, verse 29. Let's read it. Immediately, immediately after the two biggest words in this conversation right here, immediately after. Why? Because this is not speculation. This is not trying to take some commentary or some Bible verses and squeeze them into an understanding so it fits our personal paradigm of the way things will be. These are the words of Jesus Christ himself talking about his second coming and the end of the age or the end of the world. But his second coming is right in the midst, and that's what he's talking about right now, his second coming. Okay, and so we are going to preach the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, the second coming, he says this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, or we could simply say, as we said yesterday, immediately after the tribulation, which has never been before and will never be again. And he, and he gave us the whole scenario in Matthew 24, wars, rumors of wars, the beginning of sorrow, deception, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, turmoil, commotions, instability. I mean, he tells what the world is going to look like as it leads to the greatest tribulation. Now, we've seen and we've been living since Israel became a nation, a huge prophetic piece to the end-time puzzle. Since Israel has become a nation, we have been witnessing globally at the same time the general worldwide beginning of sorrow events. To that, there is no doubt, regardless if they've ever been before. And as we've said, all things that we are going to experience have always been before. There's always been these same events in generations past, in millennia past. But there comes a time where it culminates around the world, and you add the biblical Israel becoming a nation prophecies, Daniel 12 prophecies, and so many others, and you put it in the time frame we're in right now, it's ready to culminate and happen again, but on a global scale. And this is the one that Jesus warned about that will never be again and has never been before. And the world is set right now for it. You know it. I know it. So let's go on. I mean, rather than trying to prove that point again, let's just move forward and we'll chat as we go. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now, what I'd like to do, just to give you some background, some ammunition, I want to go back to Isaiah chapter 13 for just a moment. And I want to read just a few verses out of Isaiah 13, and I want to keep Matthew 24, 29 in view, okay? Keep it in mind that immediately after the tribulation of those days, it talks about the sun being darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. All right. Has this ever happened before? Well, if you look at Isaiah chapter 13, and I'll just pick it up in uh, verse uh, 5, Isaiah 13, 5. Let's start there. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, the Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. Now, putting this in proper context, he's talking about the Assyrians, because if you go back to Isaiah chapter 10, he talks about 
the Assyrian is the anger of the Lord. The weapon in their hand is the Lord's indignation. So here in verse 5, they, the Assyrians, come from a far country from the end of heaven. The Lord and his weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. And let me, while I'm here, just tell you what it says in Isaiah chapter 10. It says this in verse uh, 5. Woe to, I will, okay, so it's talking about the Assyrian, which is the rod of my anger. It says, woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in whose hand is my indignation. So the weapons of Assyria were his indignation. I will send him, the Assyrian, against a ungodly nation or a hypocritical nation is what it says in the King James. I have the Gideon Bible with me, thank God. Um, so I'm going to send him against a uh, ungodly, hypocritical nation against the people of my wrath. So that's just biblical context to show what Isaiah 13 is saying. So now, verse 6, wail for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands <clears throat> will be limp. Every man's heart will melt. And they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. Travail. Remember Matthew 24 now. Jesus talked about the beginning of sorrows. That's likened unto a woman in travail. And they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. Now listen. Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. Verse 10. For the stars of heaven... And their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven. Well, in the, in the Isaiah 13 flagration, you have God sending the weapons of his indignation, which was a tribulation, and then it talks about the sun, moon, and stars being darkened. So you have context of how things have been before, but they've always been types and shadows or things leading up to the finality. Okay, these have been the forerunner events. These days have happened before. They set precedence, so it shows biblical tenacity, quite frankly. It shows biblical, biblical accuracy. And the, and the patterns of the Lord, for the Lord never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So God never changes. The way he did things, that's why it says about Sodom and Gomorrah, they've been set as an example, or these are end samples. Things that have happened in the past will happen in the future if you do the same thing that they did. All right, so this is just biblical accuracy here. And I just love the pattern. I love how the Bible interprets itself. And there's a lot more to say in there, but I'm going to stop right now, and I want to go back to Matthew 24. So in Matthew 24, 29, we have immediately after the tribulation. Now, what does he say in verse 30? And then, when? Immediately after the tribulation, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then 
all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Where do you find that? Well, you find that in Revelation chapter 1. So let me just go back to Revelation chapter 1. And what do we find in Revelation 1, which is the end-time Bible prophecy of all prophecies? It's the final prophecy to be fulfilled in the generation to whom it will actually come, and I believe we are that generation. But it says in Revelation 1-7, Behold, he is coming with clouds. What does it say in verse 30? Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Revelation 1-7, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. So in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, it complements Matthew 24, verse 30, perfectly. Okay, so Jesus' end-time mini-apocalypse, mini-book of Revelation, uh, teaching on, on, the, on the Mount of Olives, is now recorded in the book of Revelation for the end of time. Now, the book of Revelation was written, they say, around 95 to 100 and something A.D. The 70 A.D. event had already transpired. So the mini-apocalypse that Jesus was talking about dealt with that moment with the temple being destroyed in 70 A.D., but it also was about his coming and the end of the world. That is now translated to Revelation, in the book of Revelation, it says the same exact thing that Jesus said. This is confidence. This should build up our understanding, our confidence that the accuracy of the word of God is rich. Now, he goes on to say in verse 31, let's go to verse 31. So all the nations are going to see him coming. All right, so his, his coming, this is important, is not a secret coming. The coming of the Lord, in verse 30, he shall, then the sign shall appear of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So this is not a secret coming of the Lord. And you notice the pre-trib rapture doctrine always carries this idea of imminency and a secret disappearing act of the church. Well, Jesus never said that in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. He doesn't say it in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15. He doesn't say it in the book of Revelation. What he does say is that the whole world is going to see him coming in the clouds. Now, what is interesting, in all of these comings of the Lord's scriptures that we look at, he never, ever makes landfall. The Lord is always in the clouds, and then something happens. He stays suspended in the air. He's in the clouds. Every eye is seeing him. All the nations are mourning and travailing. They see him coming. Now, what happens? Well, in Matthew 24, verse 31, it says, and again, Matthew 24, 30 is consistent with Revelation 1, 7. He's coming in the clouds. He never makes landfall, not yet. And then 31 says, and he shall send his angels. So the angels are coming with him in the clouds. So it's as though the heavens are open. He's on the clouds. The angels of God are with him. He stays in the atmosphere. He's suspended in space, if you will. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. All right, so here is the trumpet blast that we all talk about. 
We're going to see it in 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to see it in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to see these trumpets throughout Scripture. But the, the trumpet concerning the coming of the Lord is a singular trumpet. And it says he's going to send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. There's going to be a trumpet blast. All the nations of the earth are going to see the Lord in the clouds. And they, the angels, shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So what are the angels doing? They're gathering together. Now, this is important. The gathering together phrase speaks about a harvest. So at the second coming of the Lord, there is a harvest. The angels are the reapers. Remember in Matthew 13, the angels are the reapers. And he's sending the angels to gather together his elect. Now, there is an added reality here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to this moment, and we're going to see it. Because this isn't just a gathering together of the people alive and remaining on the earth. This is also inclusive of the resurrection of the dead, and we're going to prove that. We're not just going to add things. We're going to prove that this event that we're hearing right now by Jesus is also what 1 Thessalonians 4 is all about and 1 Corinthians 15 is all about, and it labors together. This is the trumpet. The dead in Christ shall rise. Those who are alive and remaining will be caught up to meet the Lord. We'll talk about it in just a moment. But I want you to notice that the Lord is suspended in space, sending his angels with the trumpet blast. He's gathering together. That is a harvest. Write this down right now. That harvest that we're reading right now is in Revelation chapter 14, immediately after Revelation chapter 13. And chapter 13 is all about the great tribulation. And when Jesus says that there is immediately after the tribulation a harvest, the Lord coming in the clouds, you're going to read that in Revelation chapter 14 as you go on down. We could do it together. It'll be a piece of cake. So now this is all when, when is this all taking place? Immediately after the tribulation, the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. Now I don't want to stop here, although I kind of do. I think we have to because Let's go right now, and I'm going to come back to verse 32, and that's a definite need, but I want to go to uh, Second Thess- no, I want to go to First Thessalonians chapter four. So let me work this out here. Let's go to First Thessalonians. <clears throat> I wasn't planning. I was going to use this other Bible, but I just I kind of like the King James. You know how that works. So I want you to see law for a moment what you just heard. All right? And um, just whatever you just heard, see lot, chew on it. Let's see what it what, what says here. Now, uh, let's see. I want to get to First Thessalonians chapter four, and I want to begin in verse thirteen with. I do not want you to be ignorant. Uh, do not want you to be ignorant. Oh, let's go with ignorant. Sorry about this, guys. I'm not prepared for this one. All right, so. Let's see if I can get it. It should be pretty easy. And let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Come on, I know you're there. There you are. You're so good. God is so good. Isn't he good? God is so good. All right, so let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's look at verse 
I guess I could do that right here. Praise God. 13. Now, this is where all the pre-tribulational rapture doctrine comes from. This is where a lot of teaching comes from. So let's look at it with everything we just read, okay? And here's what Paul is writing. In verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep. So Paul is definitely talking about saints who have died. Watch how he says it. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. What is the hope of the believer? The resurrection from death. That is the hope. Our hope is not in a rapture, is in the resurrection. There's no doubt about it. Now, people that have no hope in the resurrection, their loved ones die, they never see them again, they were sorrowing. He tells the church at Thessalonica, that's not you. He says for, verse 15, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus or died in Jesus, having faith in Christ, will God bring with him. Okay, let's get the scenario. So number one, This is not talking about a pre-tribulational rapture. And you have to admit that the predominant teachers of the pre-tribulation rapture always refer to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. They say, there it is. Now, we're walking through it, and let's see if we could find it. So far, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is about a resurrection of the dead, not about a pre-tribulational rapture of living saints. But let's see what the rest of this says. And I really want you to think, really concentrate, okay? Now, we just heard that because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which died in Jesus will God bring with him. So they're they're, they're coming. The dead are going to come back. Verse 15. And this is where I tell people everywhere, mark this verse. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. I believe the Apostle Paul studied the, the teachings of Jesus in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. I believe he had that available. So he's actually saying, now we say this to you by the word of the Lord. In other words, the Lord said what I'm about to tell you. And where did the Lord say it? What we just read in Matthew 24. Watch how it lines up. That we which are alive and remain... Unto the coming of the Lord. Remember Matthew 24, he comes immediately after the tribulation, and what does he do? We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, same coming, shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, we're not going to go before the dead in Christ. For verse 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So here we have the Lord coming. We have the shout of the voice of the archangel. And with the trump of God, there's that trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then, he says. And there's that big word then again. Then, after the dead in Christ rise, which is the resurrection at the second coming, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together 
with them in the clouds. Remember here in 1 Thessalonians 4, Jesus does not touch the earth. Again, he's in the clouds. In Revelation 1, 7, he's in the clouds. In Matthew 24, 30, he's in the clouds. Okay? He's always in, coming with the clouds, but he sends his angels. And that's what he just said. He's going to send his angels. There's going to be a shout. There's going to be a voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, this is the second coming of Christ. First Thessalonians 4 is about the resurrection more than a pre-tribulational rapture. I don't know where that doctrine came from out of these verses. This has nothing to do with a pre-tribulational rapture because I've never read a book or seen a movie about the pre-tribulational rapture where the dead in Christ rise first. It never shows. So where are they getting this from? Well, they say they're getting it from here, but it's not in it. This has a divine order. The Lord comes. He's in the clouds. The trumpet blasts. The angels go forth. The dead rise. They gather the elect. Then everybody goes up and meets the Lord in the air. I mean, that's simple. And he just says, comfort one another with these words. Why comfort? Because of a pre-trib rapture? No, because of the resurrection of the dead. And if you happen to be alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord, well, your dead loved ones are going to rise up to the Lord first, and then you and I will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air since we're alive and remaining. We're going to endure to the end of the Great Tribulation. Remember that. So very simple, right? Very simple. Same thing could be found in 1 Corinthians chapter. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. And we're going to start there in, uh, behold, I show you a mystery. Let's go to the word mystery. And the word mystery, and let's get over to verse 15. There you are. All right, so 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Here it is. 1551. Paul writing to the church at Corinth, same topic. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. In other words, whether we're living when the Lord returns or whether we have already died, we're all going to be changed. When the dead rise, watch what he says. In a moment, so we're all going to be changed in a moment into those glorified bodies. In verse 52, it says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. So this is the trumpet blast. And now he describes it again. For the trumpet shall sound. We've seen that in all the verses we've looked at. The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So the dead are going to raise incorruptible. We, alive and remaining, will be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So then, okay, so it goes on into more things. But again, very clear. The trumpet blasts. The dead in Christ rise. The living saints are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And he talks about a change. So there's this development of the idea, but it's all very consistent with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, when is this going to happen? When does the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ happen? Well, let's go back now to 2 Thessalonians 
chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let's get into it just a little bit. And we'll start in verse 1. I think it's a wonderful place to start. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by what? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So there's no denying that Paul is writing about the second coming of the Lord and our gathered. Whether the dead are going to rise first or we're alive and remaining, we're going to be caught up to meet with the Lord and we're going to be gathered together. There's that harvest again. And don't forget Revelation 14, immediately after the tribulation, chapter 13, you see this first harvest take place. And this is what's being referred to here. It is the, the general harvest at the second coming of the Lord of the elect. The dead who served him well, those alive and remaining who served him well, this is the resurrection and our gathering together unto the Lord. So that's what he's talking about. Again, in verse 1, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Uh-oh, what was troubling the mind of the saints? What were, they, what were they being shaken over? What was shaking them? What was troubling them? He said, don't, soon, don't be soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. This right here in verse 2, write it in there. This is the doctrine of imminency. The same pre-tribulational doctrine that's being preached today, pre-rapture, pre-tribulational rapture, it's always about a secret, imminent, anytime the Lord's uh, coming and the church is out of here. But it, he's, he's, the Lord doesn't really come. It's a secret coming, and yet we just read in the coming of the Lord that every eye will see him. There's one sign of the coming of the Son of Man in the clouds. We just read it. There's no secret. Everybody knows it, and yet the doctrine of imminency, you know, don't be troubled as though the Christ is at hand. It's going to happen any moment. Now, why does Paul say this? Because he said in verse 3, let no man deceive you. Now, isn't it interesting that one of the end-time realities that Jesus taught was the first thing, great deception in the last days. He, now, Paul's writing about the saints being deceived, not by the world, as much as false doctrine. And the false doctrine that was being preached back then was the doctrine of imminency. The Lord's at hand, get ready, and everybody was getting unnerved and nervous. So Paul's coming to settle the case. And he says this, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come. What day? The second coming of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus Christ does not happen imminently, at any moment, secretly. No. He's going to make it abundantly clear what must happen before that ever does take place. And he says this, that day shall not come except there come a falling away First, Now, what is the falling away? It's the apostasy. In the last days, while many people are looking for revival and harvest, really the Bible teaches apostasy falling away. The Bible doesn't teach about an end-time revival. There is a harvest, but that's at the second coming of the Lord. That's when he comes to send his angels. The dead rise. The faithful saints are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But prior to that, there's tribulation. 
And prior to the tribulation, there's the beginning of sorrows. Are souls being saved here and there? Sure. It's been going on for 2,000 years. But a worldwide great revival? No. He says here, let no man deceive you about what? The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For that day, the coming of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first. That's the number one thing. There's got to be a general backsliding, not a backsliding, an apostasy. Not a backsliding. I, I take that back. An apostasy, a falling away where it's impossible to renew again unto repentance, according to Hebrews chapter 6. So we have a falling away that's going to happen first. So how do we view that? How do we know who's falling away? Take a look at the world. Take a look at the condition of the church. Look at the toleration, the compromise, the lukewarmness. Things are going. Look into your own heart. I'll look into mine. Find out where we stand, right? Now, the second thing that has to happen before the Lord returns and blows that trumpet, shouts with a shout of an archangel, right? Before that happens, that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, means that the man of sin is going to manifest. Now, to me, Revelation chapter 12 is very clear when that's going to happen. When Michael and his angels fight against the dragon and his angels, Satan and his angels, and they're cast onto the earth having great fury, and they begin, that's in chapter 12, now begins the great tribulation of 13. And then 14 comes the harvest. There's a consistency in the book of Revelation. It's a beautiful picture. It's not a multi-billion piece crossword puzzle that you got to put different pieces. No, it's all very consistent. We'll talk about that again later. But right now, two things have to happen before the Lord can come. No secrets, no imminency, two things. The falling away, the apostasy of believers the defecting from truth, they're going to swallow up lies, they're going to be deceived, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, he's going to go into a little detail on this son of perdition. And what does he say about the son of perdition? Who opposes, poses, and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one other place in Scripture that I have found so clearly revealing who this is, and it's in Isaiah chapter 14. In Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through, this is Lucifer, O Lucifer, son of the morning. We've said in your heart, I will ascend above the stars of heaven. I shall be as God. This 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, is an exact description. The man of sin, there have been many men of sin. There have been men of sin from the beginning of time. From Cain on down, there have been men of sin. But again, just like the sun, moon, and stars that we started with, there have always been similar events to what the final event will be. The final great tribulation that has never been before will never be again. That means there have been tribulation periods before. But the final one, the final one before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
because in all the tribulations of time past, the Lord Jesus Christ has never come to gather together his elect. There's never been a resurrection of the dead at his coming. We know when he died on the cross, there was a resurrection, but that's not the resurrection ever being spoken of here in all of these verses. This is at his second coming in the clouds with the angels gathering together. That didn't happen. In the resurrection in Matthew 27, the graves opened. The saints went to their friends in Jerusalem. Okay? It's a totally different idea. Don't mix those two. Because some people were trying to say that was the resurrection. And Paul had to reprove them in the book of Timothy. So now, verse 4 is all about Lucifer taking on a body. He is the man of sin. His spirit has been in Adolf Hitler, Cain, all the other men of sin that have ever existed, it was always the spirit of Satan, the spirit of Lucifer, the son of the morning. But now he's coming in a full body. He is the full embodiment of all evil. And Paul says that Jesus Christ cannot come. The second coming of Jesus Christ cannot take place unless that apostasy happens and the man of sin be revealed. And then we just saw what he did. So in verse 5, Paul says this, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. Probably referring to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Made it very clear to them. Now, in verse 6, and this is where it gets a little clever. In verse 6, And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Who might be revealed? To me, in the pattern of Scripture, in context, it's very clear that who he's referring to is Jesus Christ. He's not talking about the devil being revealed. He's saying here, because the whole context is about the second coming and how that cannot happen until these or something is restraining Christ. His second coming, they were all nervous. He was coming imminently, any day now, secret rapture, here it comes. And he was telling them, no, these things have to happen first. So now he says in verse 6, now you know what's holding back that he, Jesus Christ, might be revealed in his time. Now he says in verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity does already work. The satanic spirit has been here from the beginning. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And here's where the, the whole conversation about the restrainer takes place. And you have a divided camp. You have people in the pre-tribulational rapture camp who teach the pre-tribulational rapture doctrine that this is the Holy Spirit, this is the church. Okay? So only he who now restrains will restrain until he be taken out of the way. Well, what does this really mean? Let's kind of go into it. The mystery of iniquity. That's the satanic secret societies. That's the demonic Luciferian worshipers from the beginning of time. That is all the satanic. And it's here today in massive form. One day we're going to get into that teaching as well. So it's already been at work. It's going to work to the very end. Only he who now letteth. And let's look at that word in the Greek just for some context here. We use the word restrainer all the time, but this is the katako. And the katako actually means 
he who holds back or detains or restrains or what hinders, okay, to hold down. So there's something holding something back. So let's go back to it now. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now holds back will hold back until he be taken out of the way. So who's holding back what? Is the one being held back the Lord Jesus? Or is this now the man of sin? Let's read just a little bit more in verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed. All right, so something's being taken out of the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed. So you've got to ask yourself a question. What's holding back the wicked from being revealed, the man of sin? I would, I would in context, that wicked be revealed, meaning the man of sin. That's wickedness, pure wickedness. So when something's taken out of the way, and this is where in the pre-tribulational rapture doctrine, it's the church or it is the Holy Spirit. Is it really? Then shall the wicked be revealed. Well, if you read in Revelation chapter 13 and in Daniel, you find out that the thing that has been in the way, and I do believe this, has been the ecclesia. Okay? But the getting the ecclesia out of the way does not necessitate a pre-tribulational rapture. In Daniel, it talks about the crushing of the power of the holy people. In Revelation 13, it talks about the saints of God being overcome for three and a half years, having no influence in world events any longer. This is not a necessitation of a pre-tribulational rapture. To add the pre-tribulational rapture and make it fit to this doctrine is squeezing an idea together to fit a paradigm, and that's not necessary. Something has been standing in the way of the wicked one manifesting. My friend Sarah from California says in Revelation chapter 12 that it is Michael and his angels that have been fighting with Satan and his angels. And what the restraint has been from the wicked one coming has been the angelic warfare that's going on. And then in Revelation 12, we read that Satan and his angels were cast out of heaven into the earth. There's the manifestation. That is a manifestation. There's no doubt about it. So with these understandings, we don't have to preclude, well, if if it's the church or if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's the angels of God, there has to be a preacher of rapture. It has nothing to do with a preacher of rapture. There's just something that has been restraining, whether it's the angels of God in heaven in Revelation 12, whether it has been the saints of God, but they're now overcome for three and a half years, or the power of the holy ones are crushed and scattered, the same thing. It just, there's no preacher of rapture, a disappearing act connected to those events. Now, let's move on just a little further. When the wicked one will be revealed, and then there's this understanding that comes in verse 8, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth 
and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Hmm. What coming is this? It's not the second coming that we've been reading about all day today so far. The second coming, the Lord comes in the clouds. He sends his angels to gather his elect. It's a very real theme. It's a constant theme. Jesus comes in the clouds. The angels go forth. There's a trumpet blast, a shout. The dead rise. We are alive and remaining. Get caught up to meet the Lord in the air. This is not when the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. No, that is connected to Revelation chapter 19. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 on, this is what is described. And I could read it out of the Gideon here for just a moment. Revelation chapter 19, and I've got some points to make, okay? We're not just doing teaching today. I've got some solid points I want to make, and I can't wait to get there. But here's what it says in Revelation 19, 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. This is way after the tribulation, the destruction of Babylon, This is way after. Now comes the millennial reign. Now comes the Lord Jesus. Watch this. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He doesn't do that in the second coming when he gathers together his elect. He's doing it now, okay? He's coming to judge and make war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now comes the armies of heaven. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fiercest wrath of Almighty God. I mean, now you're talking about destroying, okay? With the brightness of his coming It says And he has on his robe And on his thigh a name written King of kings and lord of lords And uh, it just gets more intense So the revelation 19 Coming of the lord Is connected to 2 Thessalonians 2 8 Verse 9 says Who will destroy with the brightness of the coming Even him Now it's going back to the satanic who uh, Whose coming is after the working of satan So The man of sin, Lucifer, the son of the morning, all of those, the wicked one, his coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. So the satanic atmosphere prior to the Revelation 19.11 when the Lord destroys it, the satanic atmosphere is going to be everything Revelation 13 says it will be with the second piece connected to the first piece and the Satan and it's all the trinity of hell working together. And, verse 10, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Man, this is judgment, no doubt about it, upon those who are not, what? That they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. All right, let's talk. Let's talk. You go back, you study these things out, put it together. But everything has to work beautifully by the Holy Spirit. What have I been doing for the last, oh, 55 minutes? 
I've been sharing with you about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something that terrifies me right now. This terrifies me. How many prophets, quote unquote, of God are preaching the second coming? Tons of them are. Hear me. Tons of prophets are preaching the second coming. But they're not preaching the second coming of Jesus Christ. They're preaching the second coming of Donald Trump. And to me, that is foolery. That is taking the entire church that's following them and listening to them way down to a lesser orb of dark negativity because they're putting their hope and trust in a man. How damnable is that? There's prophets out there cursing voices that are saying opposite of what they're saying. They're on their guitars, man, and they're cursing with bitterness. Us bad people for not agreeing with them that Donald Trump is going to come back in a second coming. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? It seems to me that these prophets that are doing that are only trying to protect their error. And to me, that is massive pride. Why would a prophet of God, the second coming of a man, and not rather be preparing the church for the greatest tribulation that's about to hit the earth? Can someone explain that to me? You guys got it wrong, okay? That's all there is to it. It's no big deal. Repent. Condescend from your high places of admiration of men. Go down low and beg God to forgive you. Find out where you missed it and how that happened and learn from your mistake. But to stand behind it and curse people. Literally curse people because they're not preaching the second coming of Trump is so witchcrafty and satanic. And I wonder what kind of a spell these people are putting on the the children of God. But in the last days, that's exactly what's going to happen. False prophets are going to tell God's people this, that, and the other thing, rather than preparing them for the level of persecution coming with the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. Terrifies me. The second coming of Trump is filled with an anger tour. All these prophets out there, they're angry. We're not going to apologize for anything. Trump's going to win. Second coming of Trump, they're angry. But they're not preparing the church. They're only building themselves up because they can't be wrong. Let me tell you something. When you're wrong, you're wrong. When you're wrong, you're wrong. Period. You can sit there and challenge me all you want. Oh, yeah, well, you'll see. Yeah, I already saw. I already saw on January 20th. You're wrong. Be building this up and dragging the church into it? Seriously? You're dragging the church into your idea? 
that we're all somehow, you know, supposed to follow that? That would be foolish, church. That would be pure foolishness for you to follow this kind of prophetic mantle right now. I'm showing you what the Bible says about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, Crystal, you're wrong about that. You're not seeing the whole picture. Crystal says Trump did win. I haven't seen any prophet cursing anyone that doesn't agree with them. You should look a little bit deeper, and they are. In anger, people like myself are the, are the bad people that aren't going along, and how dare we prophesy anything other than Trump winning? Oh, they're out there, Crystal. Just look a little bit. And no, Trump did not win. He did not win. He's not the president of the United States. Joe Biden is the president of the United States. And until you clarify that in your mind, you're going to allow this thing to take you further and further into its destruction, disillusionment. And you're going to cling to a false hope because you put your hope in a man, Donald J. Trump. And this is terrifying. Whether it was stolen or not, he lost. They've always been rigged. You think this is the first time an election has been rigged? Do you really think that this is the only time in American history that the elections were rigged? They've been rigged since the 1800s, for goodness sake, by the, the Carnegie societies and, and by the Rockefellers and by the, all these different groups of the Rhodes Scholars. It's always been rigged. This is the first time there's been exposure to the rigging. It's always been rigged. My point, you're holding on to a man. You're putting your hope in your life in the man's second coming. You need to start thinking about the second coming of Christ because what is coming before the second coming of the Lord is tribulation. The tribulation. I just read to you for an hour about the tribulation. And, and we just scratched the surface of the violence and the falling away and the deception and the persecution and, the, and just the mass murder that's going to accompany this. And people have their mind on a man. And prophets of God out there who said he was going to win the second term and he didn't, rather than humbling themselves, stepping down and going into their prayer closet and saying, God, what happened, are just bolstering their narrative. The next big date for Trump to come back, it's kind of like people setting dates for the second coming of Jesus Christ, March 4th, 14th, March this. Well, now it's going to be uh, four years from now. Are you kidding me? Are you seriously moving in that direction? You have to remember some things. I voted for Donald Trump. I could honestly say that as a human being, I love Donald Trump. 
I was, I, w- I would have gone, I, I was there. I'm all in with Donald Trump. He's not there, but 16 months prior to him not being there, God gave me a prophetic dream. Very few people care about that. I've said it a hundred times. I'll say it one more time for the new people listening. Teen months ago on a radio program on Kern Radio, an AM FM radio station in Northwest Arkansas, I shared that I had had a dream. I had a series of dreams in about a week period of the shooting that took place in El Paso, Texas, the one in Daytona uh, or Dayton, Ohio. I dreamt the whole thing the night before it happened. And then I had another dream. And then the third dream was Joe Biden won the election. He was in a blue suit, a blue tie. He was standing in a tunnel. He was unnerved. Something was wrong. I get that. But he had won the election. And when I told my friends, I mean, every Democrat was running. There was over 20 people running. They said, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's not going to win. He's an old shell of a man. And I said, well, I know, but I had this dream. And I shared the dream over and over and over and over. And the dream kept me from going in the direction of what everybody was saying. So I was sharing that, hey, maybe this isn't going to work out the way everybody thinks. Joe Biden won. And how was he inaugurated? Blue suit, blue tie. Saw the whole thing. Now, what was he nervous about? Well, it was rigged. Uh, The problems we're having in our country, the division, the civil war that's coming, the revolution that's ready to hit, the violence, the left rising, gun control. I don't know what he's inherited. He's probably shocked that he's even there. I get all that but he's there and behind him are the Barack Obamas and the Kamala Harris's and the, the global new world order of people. They're all behind him. They're going to probably take him out before six months is over. Only God knows. They're probably going to blame Trump supporters for taking him out and the persecution, like the Rome, uh, the fires in Rome, when Nero blamed the Christians and the massive persecution broke out against them. That's the tone that's coming. And we're all going, oh, God, get Donald Trump in, because if he doesn't come in, what are we going to do? You better have your eyes on Jesus. Don't you think we should have our eyes on Jesus? Learn how to walk in the Holy Spirit, being armed with the power of God, having our shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, walking in the gifts of the Spirit, prophesying. We should be prophesying right now to the undoing of every evil thing. Shake it. For what purpose? To bring Donald in? No. To accelerate these events so that the Lord Jesus Christ may come. Spirit and the bride say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And in Second Peter, it literally says to the saints of God that we are to hasten the day of the Lord, meaning hurry it up. So... The pre-tribulational rapture doctrine does not prove itself to be true in Scripture. I've just spent an hour proving that. And I think you probably, you know, if you could show me something different in that, I'd love to see it. I've asked for 28 years as a pastor. I've said, somebody show me this. I can't find it. I'm not an expert, but I know how to read. It's not there. And the Scriptures everybody's using, they're talking about it. It's not there. So why are people believing it? Now people are believing and longing and hoping for the second coming of Donald Trump. And people are being ill-equipped to stand against the spiritual warfare that's about to happen on this earth. 
If you have ever battled in spiritual warfare, think about the greatest battle you ever fought as a Christian. You went through some experience. You had somebody coming against you that wasn't right, or you felt all this pressure, and you had to put on the foot. That is kindergarten to what is coming. The church needs to wake up, to wake up from this dream about a man coming to save the day for America. You don't understand. You don't expect the devil to play fair, do you? Well, the election was stolen, so he comes to steal, kill, and destroy because it's his time of power of darkness. He's not going to be just with you or me. You can't expect justice in the new world order of things that is coming. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He could steal from anybody. He's the God of this world. That's why we're citizens of heaven. We're to let our light shine on earth. We're to be salt everywhere we go. We should walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We should walk in the power of the Holy Spirit with the anointing of God. We should walk in the, in the gifts of the Spirit, but more importantly, the character of the Holy Spirit. Always remembering that our citizenship is in heaven and not on earth. But while we're here, we're to do and live an example life, an exemplified life for people to come to Christ. But this is the hour of the power of darkness. And then you have people saying, well, that's premature. Who says it's premature? All the signs, you know, it's kind of like a woman travailing. Oh, she's having labor pains. Oh, 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 she's going to give birth. Oh, that's premature. What's premature? Well, it's premature to think she's going to have a baby. Well, she's got all these labor pains. Yeah, but that's premature. Well, wait a second. She's in labor. There's no turning back. She is pregnant. She's going to have a baby, but you're saying it's premature? The tribulation is coming. The signs of the times are everywhere. The beginning of sorrows have begun exponentially all over the world. Come on. And it's premature to say that the hour of the power of darkness is arrived? Spiritual warfare. Your mental my mental, emotional state, my conscious, my spirit, my soul, my body, if it is not strong and intact, this, you know, talk about just the vaccines. I'm listening to Governor DeSantos in Florida. He's at a little village in Lakewood or some Lakewood, uh, Florida, and he's being questioned, why did you come here with the vaccines and why not everywhere else? Well, we're looking for elderly people. We want to go to where the most elderly people are. Vaccination, 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 vaccination. My friend Art called me or sent me a text yesterday. Hey, Vince, I really believe that the vaccination may be a lead up to or actually possibly the very mark of the beast. I don't know. That's like me 16 months ago saying Joe Biden's going to win the election. People going, come on. Who knows? But I do know if you can't get on an airplane without a mask, and mask and mark are one letter away. My friend Ian once said that R and S are probably the same in the Hebrew. So you can't buy or sell. You can't go to the store. You can't enter in. You can't do anything without being tested, having a vaccination. And we're thinking about the second coming of a man. No, we were given four years to get our act together. 
And what's showing up right now are the major cracks in the Christian community. It's heartbreaking. We think the, the world system is cracked and they whitewash it with whitewater. You know, remember the, the wall was cracked and they just daubed it with whitewash. And so nobody could see the cracks. You know, it looks normal. It's whitewash. It looks normal. The cracks in the church community and the cracks in the world community and the social community, the cracks are huge and the division's ready because the house divided cannot stand. The crack is going to break. So you prophets of God out there that are angry, literally cursing people for telling the truth, who are wrong about what you're saying, you were wrong on the 20th, you need to stop. We're not going to curse you. We're going to bless you. We're going to tell you. Your anger means nothing. You could yell and stomp and scream all you want like the mad prophets of Baal. Man, those mad prophets of Baal even cut themselves, man. They cut themselves. They shouted. And Elijah said, I guess your God is on the toilet. He's not hearing you. Are you a prophet of Baal or are you a prophet of God, prophets? It's a big question, and it needs to stop. It needs to stop. What's the next move, folks? What's the next move now? Well, God will reveal that, too, in truth. But your mind right now has to be sober. You have to get a sober mindset to what time it is. A true prophetic community is there to tell God's people what time it is. May the true prophets of God speak. May the true prophets of God be heard. But you see, this thing has gone so deep in people's emotions and their minds that they're like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I know it's going to happen. It's going to change. Trump is coming back. It, you, got, you took the poison. You took the bait. Spit it out. Start thinking about the word of God as, as being presented and get, get rid of it. It's kind of like hoping your spouse that left you is going to come back. You could wait for years. Any day she's going to walk through the door. Any day he's going to come back to the house. A child waiting for his father. He left and he's never seen him. Oh, he's going to come back. Waits at the window every single day. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He never comes. False hope makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You do not need to get your heart sick right now. You need to adjust your thinking, become sober-minded in the word of God. Open your eyes, wake up, and see what time it is. And then let's see where the Holy Spirit takes us. Yes, Crystal, we have to focus on God. You're exactly right. And maybe I, can, maybe I, I, I won't sound like such a foe if I say, you know what? If we put God first and we keep our eyes on Jesus and we realize what just happened and let it settle, and then if something changes from God's perspective, praise the Lord. But right now you're playing with dangerous, dangerous fire. Let me just say good morning to for some of our friends out here. And if you have some questions or comments, you can actually, if you want to share something, well, you can't anymore. The episode ended, I'm pretty sure, on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, let me go back and just say hello to some of our friends out here. Sarah said good morning to everyone. We said that. 
Uh, good morning, Sarah. Great points, by the way, throughout this broadcast. Uh, Melissa Fletcher says, good morning from cold, snowy South Dakota, where we have cold hands but warm hearts. Amen. What an awesome thought that is. David Ellison's giving an amen. Uh, we have Laquita. Good morning, Pastor. Good morning to you, Laquita. Carla D says, hi, yes. Kim was here. Uh, we hear her. Okay, so that's going on. Uh, Delphine from uh, North Carolina. Good morning to you, Delphine. God bless you. Kevin Hauger, good morning. Sarah, again, good morning. Cindy, good morning, dear sister and friend. David Ellison, hello, Pastor Peggy. Hello, Peggy from uh, Melissa Fletcher. Um, Let's just keep going down here. So Marissa Atterbury had a good morning on this snowy day. Kevin Hauger is with us again. They are doing rolling power outages because of the low power output needs in Texas. P. Ridge is getting their gas lines turned back on this morning. Praise God. Uh, Kevin said they are doing rolling power outages. Okay. Um, uh, Kim Boiling says bowling, not boiling. Well, Kim is boiling with the fire of God. Kim Boiling is boiling with the fire of God. Amen. Sarah says, where in scripture again does it talk about Israel becoming a nation in the Bible? Well, it's about the fig tree prophecy. Um, It's something that I learned a year ago. I did not find it. I I learned it from someone else that when you see the fig tree put forth its branches, and there's a whole teaching on that prophecy, when you see Israel become a nation again, there's Old Testament scriptures and New Testament or in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Kenneth Brun says, thank God we passed the zero degree, negative zero mark. Spring is just around the corner. God is in control. Amen to that. I believe it. Uh, Doug Alley is with us this morning. Good morning, Doug Alley. Who are modern day Chaldeans in Isaiah 13, 9? That's a great question. To me, I believe that rather than just the Assyrians or the, I believe it's the caliphate. I believe that there possibly will be the gathering together of a caliphate, bringing the Sunni and the Shia Muslim community together under the 12th Imam, the Mahdi, which is the Antichrist. That's what I believe. We'll see. All right. So, hope in the resurrection, said Kim. Don't understand a Bible verse? Just put Jesus in the middle. That's from David Ellison. All right. Doug Alley. They get the pre-tribulation from Matthew 24, 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Okay, here's the problem with that. Um, It doesn't say it's a pre-tribulational rapture, but we know the shortening of the days is limited to three and a half years, 42 months, or 1,260 days. They're all the same time frame. It's not shortening the days and a pre-trib rapture. That's, again, an idea being inserted into Scripture when the Scriptures actually tell us three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days. All right, I just, Sarah says, I just heard the most crazy thing the other day. An end times reach said, preacher said, the rapture happens in between unless the falling away comes first, the man of sin is revealed, and the son of perdition. He said it happens where the comma is between the man of sin and the son of, yeah, that's, that's too much for me. My brain can't handle it. <laughs> Kevin George, great teaching. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that. Kevin Halger, we are not to add to the word. The Spirit says, Many will deceive you that speak words, but not from God. Many church leaders want to have position of knowledge that they are not following God. I agree, Kevin, wholeheartedly. All right. So Sarah says, I still believe with all my heart that Michael is the restrainer. Because if you think about it, it's not until after the war in heaven and Satan is cast down that the Antichrist is made known. 
Michael is the protector of Israel, which is why despite all the war over the years, they've never been decimated. It's not until Michael stands down that Israel is left to destruction. Great thought. I've been considering it deeply, quite frankly. All right. Kevin says, I believe that Israel, the Jews in particular, did not accept Jesus and also the Holy Spirit after Jesus rose into heaven. They are receiving judgment from the Father for this. The path that God laid out was Moses, Isaiah, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I have always believed Michael was the protector of heaven. All right. Very good. Well, he is called the protector of Israel as well in the scriptures. Uh, Kevin says they're fake prophets. I think you're referring to the people we were just mentioning. I hope not. I hope they're just full of pride and can repent. That's it. Uh, Doug Alley, amen. Crystal, Trump, okay, we saw that. Um, So, oh, Crystal wanted names. You know what? I could send you videos. I guess somebody's going to send it to you. I, I watched a video last night, and that's just part of it. Search it out, Crystal. Honestly, you'll find it. Um, she has hope in God. I praise God for that. Uh, Sarah, was there cheating and lying? Absolutely. Sadly, the lies won, because the devil is the, the liar of all liars. All right, so I believe the elections have always been rigged, says Cindy. She's right on about that. Kevin Hauger, you need faith. Hope is wishful thinking and cause you to sway. Crystal Wingate, I'm sorry, I agree with a lot of what you were saying. My hope is in God alone. Way to go, Crystal. Dog, the globalists call it the greatest reset. We call it the great tribulation. Amen, Doug. Well said. Um, She said this, uh, Crystal, again, the election was stolen. We should not just accept lies. I agree. What is it going to be like during the great tribulation? We want justice. There is going to be any against the ecclesia, the saints of God. Believe me, that's the word. Chris, uh, Chris Craig, you are so right. Also, people have no clue as to America's identity in Scripture, which aids to the Trump making America great second coming look at Isaiah chapter 18, uh, 47, Jeremiah uh, 50, 51, the Babylonian mindset. You're absolutely right. We have become, Israel was called Egypt and Sodom. Israel was identified as being Egypt and Sodom because their conduct, America, very much Babylon, Sodom and Gomorrah, no doubt about it. All right, Kevin Hauger, lies happen every day. We follow the truth, but the world wants what they want. Pastor V is showing you that being deceived by Satan's use of the election. True. It will put you into a ditch, and you may not see what you need when Jesus returns. Uh, Kevin George, did you record this? Yes, Kevin, you could actually find this by going to our YouTube page or Facebook or on Blog Talk Radio, but I think the latter part of this is going to be Um, It may be recorded on Blog Talk Radio, but yes, it is recorded, and it will be for viewing in about 15 minutes when I get off. Um, All right, so thank Jesus. We learned the truth from you and Pastor Patricia. There is no pre-trib. Amen. Kim is telling to preach. Crystal, Trump is not my idol. Maybe for many, I'm ready for the Lord. No vaccine for me. Way to go, Crystal. He's not my idol either, but it's okay to love him. He's a great president, for goodness sake. I get that. What a reprieve we have. Get ready. All right, so, Pastor Vincent, it's time for you to do another broadcast on Daughter of Babylon, Mystery Babylon. It will aid in convincing your Trump second coming viewers that America has a different destiny. You know, Chris, I've done it many, many times. I'm sure willing to do it again. Take that to heart. Can't get on an airplane without the mask taking your temperature either. All right, Brother Mark, all the way from Mexico, Revelation 2.9. The word Lord in Hebrew is Baal. I speak it. Mark's awesome. We're going to have him on here very soon again. All right, Sarah Anchorman, false prophets because they prophesy falsely. Kevin Hauger, he has done some teaching on the mystery of Babylon. Yes, I have. 
Praise God. And where are we? Laquita. Michael John says, thank you, Sarah, for thinking of me as the restrainer. <laughs> That's Brother Michael V., Pastor Michael V. in Northwest Arkansas. Sarah was saying that you were thinking of him. I don't think so, Michael. Praise the Lord. The short, the shortening of days has to do with Planet X's passage. It shortens the days and the nights by a third of the year. Spin increase from the day of the Lord. Six deal. Possible. Possible. I'm going to stay with what I've got right now. Uh, all right. That's it. I think we're done. I think we're done. Subscribe to our channel. That's what they tell me to tell you to say. Subscribe to our channel. Give a like, a thumbs up, ring the bell. And remember, if you want to support this ministry in any way, financially, would be awesome. Prayer's always awesome. Remember, you could do that at nwmglobal.org, nwmglobal.org. I'll give you just a little, feel like maybe somebody wants to do that today. So it's nwmglobal.org under the donations tab. You could give a gift to this ministry um, if you'd like to do so. We'd appreciate it. It's tremendous value. Regardless, thanks for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Vince. I'll see you tomorrow. And um, stay sober. Study the word, and if you could show me something that I'm missing, really biblically missing, please do not hesitate, okay? You can always text me. You can write an email to me. Easy enough to do. God bless everybody, and don't you take what I said as, you know, that's the word of the man. No, no, no. You study. You study. Don't be a conformist to everybody else's ideas. Conform to Jesus Christ and to Jesus Christ alone. Someone shout hallelujah. All right, that's it for us. We've got two more comments. Where'd they come from? Uh, this is from Chris. Let's see what he has to say here one more time. I wonder the 2016 election who sabotaged Hillary Clinton hackers. I believe it was not Russia, but it was Susan Rice in the State Department. I mean, you know, Obama wanted Trump as the fall guy. God blocked it. See that? You just never, never know. But we do know is what time it is. The woman is in travail, the pangs are coming, and everything is pointing at the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. We need to get ready. See you tomorrow. God bless everybody. Until we meet again, shalom.